The Dad Ass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast in this special Real Talk episode as we welcome back uh, Sean, aka Do the Resident Family Counselor and friend of the podcast uh, and pediatric um, psychologist and owner of Central Ohio Pediatric Behavioral Health, Dr. Parker Houston. Gentlemen, hello and welcome. Hi. Great to be here. We thought uh, with everything that is taking place right now in the world, it's um, probably a difficult time for a lot of parents to have conversations talking to their kids about conflict and trying to overcome conflict or what's being seen in the news. Um, pretty much any possible media source is showing us what's taking place over in the Ukraine. And so what what better topic than how do we talk to our kids about conflict? And with that, there's nobody better than you two to lead us in um, several points of how to navigate this this difficult and delicate conversation at home. And so with that, I'm going to let the two professionals uh, lead us through these uh, talking points. Yeah. And before we get into it, too, um, just so, you know, as you're sort of listening, you may have noticed as you clicked on this or that this downloaded um this is a much shorter um, episode, and I won't even call it really an episode. This is, uh, like like you said, a real talk, um, part of our sort of real talk series. Um, and this is really meant to be um, sort of bulleted, um, quick points, not exhaustive in, in, in conversation, just sort of things for you to think on. Um, so, yeah. Um, we're going to go through these kind of quickly, but um, the quickness that we're going through them isn't because they're not important. It's just because we're trying to keep this condensed um, and, and digestible um, for you. So, um, you know, Parker, you had a chance to, or Dr. Houston, you had a chance to sort of um, lay your thoughts out on this, um, which was super helpful and always insightful. Um, so... Um, this is actually going to be a two-parter. Um, this one is going to be focusing on talking to kids. And then um, you'll also find that there is uh, same topic, but geared towards talking to um, your co-parent, partner, um, loved one um, on an adult level. So this one we're going to talk about kids. So um, I loved this. The very first... Um, point that you brought up was um, being proactive. And you wrote, don't wait for them to come to you. Start by asking about what they already know. Um, love it. And I think it is incredibly important. So if you could like speak to that for just a second. Yeah. Well, I think the first point that I want to make is kids are incredibly perceptive. And most of the time, they know more than you think. You know, they're not sitting down in front of CNN or Fox News watching the real-time coverage, but they're picking up on things. They're hearing things. They're talking about it. They're seeing it online. And so by the time we wait for them to come to us, chances are they've already learned more than we think, and they've formed opinions, or they've been worrying about it, or they've heard things from unreliable sources. And and so we want to just get out in front of it as parents and ask them, you know, what have you been hearing? What have you been learning about this and, you know, let's have a conversation and make sure that, you know, I can answer any questions that you have or that we can find out the answer together. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I think sometimes um, we 
I think parents have to also um, ask themselves, am I not talking about this with my child because um, I don't think that it's something that they need to know about or that they're really aware of? Or am I not talking to them about it because I don't know what to say or I don't know those sorts of things? Um, parenting isn't perfection. It's doing your best every day. And um, closing your eyes and being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say doesn't make um, – their attempt to process information stop right like they're going to continue Absolutely. like you said to a, to form opinions and you know part of our job as caregivers to children is to help them formulate their own opinion but also like guide them through that process i mean i i'm an adult and i'm still trying to like figure out those sorts of things and um formulate my own opinions and and i do that by bouncing those things off my wife and um, kids are doing the exact same thing. And I think that's a really, really important thing to remember. Just because you're not talking about it doesn't mean they're not thinking um, about it. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, then I also like your your second point was reassure them in realistic ways. Um, so I want to focus on what do you mean by like realistic ways? Well, I'll give an example from my own life. So this isn't related to the current conflict, but about another conflict that happened in the U.S. Um, about a year ago. And my five-year-old at the time, you know, we hadn't talked about what was going on, but I, I finally did bring it up around the dinner table with my kids. And his first question was, are we safe here? Right. And this was happening hundreds and hundreds of miles away. But his first question was, are we safe in our neighborhood, in our home? And so that perception had developed that because there was some violence and, and some conflict going on somewhere else in the world, that we might not be safe in our own house at that moment. And so I was able to reassure him in a realistic way, not nothing will ever happen to you ever here at the house, but, you know, this conflict that you're hearing about and that we're going to talk about tonight is happening very far away and it's not going to directly affect our neighborhood, but it's affecting other people's neighborhoods. And yeah. so, you know, that's like a realistic way of reassuring them without saying, you know, I just want to prevent parents from thinking like nothing will ever happen to you. I would never let that happen. That That's not always realistic, depending on where you live. You know, there are some places where that's really hard to to guarantee on a daily basis. And so you just have to be realistic. And and I don't mean to sound like doomsday like either but like the other part to saying like nothing and those speaking in sort of absolutes um you know right now that's the situation but we you know hopefully anything you know mm -hmm. it will never materialize to something like that and i think that's important you know kids are concrete thinkers um particularly younger kids are concrete thinkers and um something that i think you can do um to help them understand a concrete um piece is like if you had a family member grandma grandpa aunt uncle someone or, or close uh you know fa family friend that um you know uh, lives a couple of hours away um or, or maybe in a different state um something you could try is pulling out a map with a kid who's a little bit older and saying okay do you remember when we visited you know aunt jimmy well he lives in illinois and you can show like it took us, you know, six hours to get to drive a car from our house to Aunt Jimmy's house. Let me show you where the where like 
in the world, all this fighting is, or, you know, this sort of unrest or however you sort of want to describe that and let them see how far away it is. And, you know, I think for like what you were talking about, something um, that maybe was a little bit more local and, and, and this conversation is, is sort of stemming, like we said, from what's currently happening in current events, but um, you know, scary sort of things and conflicts happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, even within, you know, the confines of our, our country. And so helping them understand, like, that thing that you heard about, that everyone's talking about, let me show you how far away it really is. And helping them understand, see this in a concrete way, I think, for some kids, can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, that would be another sort of strategy um, that you could do. Um, yeah. Encourage them to share their emotions and um, shape uh, your own appropriately. Uh, or and share your own appropriately, sorry, not shape. Um, I cannot say that, like, agree with that any like more emphatically. Um, we have got to get them talking about things. And you have to talk about things and be what I call developmentally appropriate, right? Um, your kids don't need a robot. Um, they have a computer if they want if they want to just look up raw facts and those sorts of things. Not that I'm advocating for that, but like um, you're also teaching them how to be a human being. And like particularly if we're talking, in my opinion, if we're talking about um, dads and men, um, we or, or even um, parents to boys in particular, girls need this too. But um, letting them see like emotion and saying like, yeah, you know, sometimes I worry about that too. And then help them understand like how you work through that worry. Like, Hey, I have that worry. And this is something that I try. Maybe you could try that or, or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, I also think it's really important to let them share how they're feeling before you share how you're feeling. So you're not, so that they get the opportunity to just sort of like, formulate this under your guidance on their own and they don't find themselves parroting back what you've already said, right? If you share first, then you're kind of giving the signal of like, this might be how you should be feeling. And, and maybe they're like, I don't really know. Maybe if you come in and you're like, I'm really scared and worried, they maybe aren't scared and worried. They're maybe more confused and um, questioning of things, but then we've kind of planted that seed um, so I am an advocate for letting them sort of have that airtime first and sharing that and, and, and using that as the basis for open dialogue. Um, you know, I don't know what you think yeah. about that. Um, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, and I, I use this professionally and personally where, you know, I really try to refrain from priming. You know, I think that's what you were describing. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're wanting to ask a question, if you've already kind of answered that question from an authoritative perspective, kids are much less likely to share their actual feelings or opinions, and they're liable to go with a trusted adult or, or a trusted individual. So, you know, you want to just sort of leave it open-ended in the beginning. How are you feeling about what's going on? You know, and if they have a hard time coming up with an emotion, try and, you know, give them a few options or, or try and encourage that. And then, you know, share appropriately how you're feeling. So with a younger kid, it might be, I'm feeling kind of sad about what's going on, or I'm, I'm feeling a little worried about it. And I, I'm trying to learn more so that I can, you know, understand what's happening. 
Um, with older kids, you can get into a little bit more detail about, you know, some more nuanced emotions that you might be feeling. But as you said, Sean, it's it's really awesome for them to hear you talk about one of those troubling emotions and then to follow it up with. And so here's what I'm doing about it. Right. I'm I'm going to exercise one extra time this week or, you know, spending time with you guys. Matt, what do you want to chime in with? Well, this one, and and I'm going to use it to kind of segue into the fourth uh, point that you had shared with us, and that's that you don't have to have all the answers. I think these number three that we were just talking about and, and this next one about not having all the answers is something for parents to really think about because no matter what our role is at work, or during the day, um, even if we're a stay-at-home uh, parent, you have all the answers. You know what needs to be done. Now, this is kind of a role reversal of what we're doing in whatever that you know um, capacity is that we do during the day, where we have all the answers. Now it's okay. We need to let them talk first, our kids, to share their feelings, and we also have to be reminded to one, let them kind of share without us parroting them. I think that's what, um, Sean, you had said, parrot them, right? Parrot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and then, um, having those answers, you know, for me in my role, I need to share everything and I have to have the right answers. Then it's kind of like, you got to take that hat off now and pause a second to respond appropriately. So I think this one, I don't know, not, not being in, in your field, these would be two very uh, hard ones or ones that I'd have to kind of like pinch my hand, like in my pocket to remind myself to stay quiet or, you know, let let the conversation grow on its own with a little one, but not mine. He's two, but older yeah, kids. You know, and I, I'm going to go back slightly too to the first part of asking them what they know. There's a really like natural or what they already know about this. There's a really natural thing, uh, a flow of conversation that can occur where, um, you know, you say like, so all this stuff's sort of happening. I'm just curious, like, what do you think about this? What do you know? What have you heard? And then ask, and then the natural follow-up question is, well, what do you think about all like the things that you know? Right. Um, also, on that sort of pinching your um, hand, I'm going slightly off script here, um, but make sure that you let kids um, fully share um, before you go in and try and quote unquote correct that misinformation don't shut down conversation and like nitpick well that's not right no that's not like let them share and then say you know i heard you say a couple of things that made me think about some other things and i want to share some extra information with you because i think maybe some of what you that you shared with me is not you know you, you can find like a gentle way to sort of describe that but like is maybe not the best representation of what's happening or those sorts of things um so let them finish a complete thought because nothing will shoot down and shut down a kid faster than that than you well intending trying to be like no that's not what's happening those sorts of things but they won't fully share at that point let them get it all out and then kind of replay bit by bit like hey when you said this this made me think of that and i want you to know this because there's a little bit more to that instead of trying to correct in the moment let them share completely and then have that dialogue conversation with them about some of the things you noticed about what they shared because then it also gives you the opportunity to be like wow um 
pointing out the positive things. It sounds like you've spent a lot of time thinking about this or those sorts of things, and you can sort of provide um, accolade to them for trying to figure it out and having these adult thoughts and those sorts of things. And that works particularly well with a little bit on the older side of kids um, who want to be validated for their thoughts and their own ideas and their own opinions and things like that. Um, but they still need that sort of guidance. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so let's see. Number five, um, focus on who is trying to help. What is, let's get into that. Yeah. I put that one in there. That's my homage to Fred Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers, where, you know, a lot of the time when we get into these news cycles, even we as parents, it's really easy to just focus on this is bad. Everybody's bad. You know, the people who don't agree with me are bad and the things that are happening are bad. And that really, um, that leads to a different kind of conversation than trying to frame the issue. And then also talk about, you know, who out there is trying to help the situation because kids don't want to hear about hopelessness, right? They want to hear that there are people trying to solve the problems in the world. And it's also a fair representation of the reality that, you know, there are always people who are trying to solve conflict. And, and sometimes it's even, people that you disagree with. And you might say, you know, I don't necessarily agree with how they're going about it, but they're really working hard to try and solve this conflict or try and, you know, make sure that that certain people are protected. And, um, and so it's just good to acknowledge that and to talk through that with kids so that they understand that there's, you know, yes, there's bad news, there's conflict happening, but there's also people who are trying to resolve that conflict. And those people are really important to talk about as well, not just the ones who are, are maybe creating it or, or furthering the conflict that's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's an opportunity too for um, you to sort of um, make that conversation relatable to them in terms of like, you know, there are people that are helping to try and resolve that conflict. Just like when you have a conflict with your friends at school, like your teacher might help you, those sorts of things. And reassuring them that there are people that are working really hard, even if we don't know, know their names, kind of going back to that, like, we don't have all the answers, we don't know everything. You can say like, I don't really know the person, maybe you do, but like, I don't personally, I know that there's a whole team of people from all around the world that are trying really hard to figure out how they can make, you know, this situation better. And I want you to know that just like those things are happening at school, or just like when we have a conflict at, at, at home, and we all sit down together, and we, we try and figure those things out. Those things are happening now. We just don't, that's not something that it, that the news talks about because those are really big, important conversations that the cam the news isn't allowed to be a part of right now. And when they figure that out, then they will share it. But right now, they're just trying to figure that out. Um, I think it's always also appropriate to instill a level, an appropriate level of like reassurance and hope that like just yeah. because we're fighting right now doesn't mean that you know that it will always be that way. Those sorts of things. Um, and then the last, um, one I also think is so incredibly important, which is avoid demonizing, um, entire groups of people. Right. Um, 
And so being very mindful the way we um, describe and talk about the individuals that are um, in groups that are in conflict um, and, and may, helping them sort of understand that like, there is a group of people that are a part of a much a small group of people that are a part of a much larger group of people um and that that everyone is not just because you might be a you know be from a part a certain part of the world or a, a certain country that doesn't mean that um you know the, that everyone is the same those sorts of things and i think that's incredibly um, important because kids are concrete thinkers. And right. if we don't point that out to them, then a lot of kids, their natural go-to is like concrete thinking and categorization. So like, oh, well, you, you're you this, so that means that you're, you know, you identify as this, so that means that you're this type of way. Um, and we really want to avoid that for kids because it just doesn't, it doesn't really serve anybody. It can also create a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about cultures and those, those sorts of things. I also think this is a really unique opportunity on that note um, to sit with kids and um, say like, hey, let me show you some of the really cool things about, um, you know, this culture or this group of people. Um, and this is an opportunity for them to also um, learn some of the positive things of, of a, a culture and a group um, that are not going to be celebrated or talked about. Um, you know, and I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with that not demonizing um, thing. But I think we have to be very careful um, because kids are listening all the time, all yeah. the time. And, you know, the trap that we get in is it's much easier to make those categorizations, right? It, it's easy to just say, yep, all things like this are bad because kids understand that they grasp onto it. But even though that's the easier way to discuss something, it's not always the way that's going to help them develop a, a better understanding of conflict and how to resolve conflict. And, you know, let's be honest, like they don't need to be highly educated in a conflict between countries most of the way around the world or, you know, other situations that they might never come in personal contact with. This is all us trying to use these as teachable moments to help them understand, you know, how do we understand current events and, and global politics and culture and, and conflict in general. And so when we start making those generalizations, it's really setting them up to be part of what the issue can be. It's, it must be this way or it's wrong. And that's how conflicts start is that there are those kind of disagreements and, and they rise to a certain level. So you just really don't want to set them up for that kind of black and white thinking into the future when it comes to conflict. Um, that's not something that I think most of us would ascribe to as parents as wanting for our kids. And so these are opportunities to steer them away from that. Yeah, I like, you know, you said the myth comment about uh, black and white. Yeah, kids are great at black and white all on their own. They don't need any of your help. Nope. They need your help with the gray. They already yeah. see black and white. We need to help them see the gray. And um, as you know, um, challenging as these conversations may be, these are truly growth opportunity moments. Um, my other just little tidbit um, on how you approach this too, um, you know your kid best. Some kids might benefit from sitting down at the 
the kitchen table during dinner having a conversation. Some kids, this is like a we're walking around the neighborhood conversation. Some kids, this is we are playing basketball and it's a little bit more informal. Um, you know, no one knows your kids like you. So read that sort of situation and also um, recognize too that um, these are little brains and that we might go through a period where like we have lots of questions and we want to talk about it and then we don't talk about it for a long time and then we want to talk about it again. And there's this kind of like natural ebb and flow to things. Um, and so don't be surprised if like my to their tolerance for this conversation is like short bursts of like intense question and then we don't talk about it for a long time and then intense questions and then we don't talk about it. So um, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, and you don't have to have all, all the right answers. Um, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and do your absolute best. Um, that's what I think we're tasked with when we're working with kids. So what do you think about all this, Matt? I'm just taking it all in from both of you. Um, but I think it's, it's important for us, uh, doc, since you gave us the, this, uh, you know, six points to kind of recap this as, as we close this, this discussion, um, just kind of recapping your six points you brought to us. Yeah, sure. So, you know, number one, be proactive. Don't wait for them to come to you and, and start by asking what they know and let them lead the conversation, truly let them lead it. You know, don't, don't wait until the first time they take a breath and then launch into to your own thoughts. Um, number two, reassure them in realistic ways. You know, talk with them about the reality of the situation and, and help with misperceptions. Number three, encourage them to share their emotions. And, and after they've shared theirs, share your own in a developmentally appropriate way and follow that up with how you're managing any difficulty that you're having. Um, you don't have to have all the answers. That's not your job. Um, and you can say, hey, I don't really know the answer to that. And if you feel like there's a way to find that information reliably, offer to look it up with them. That's a really great exercise in how to find information and how to become knowledgeable. And then the final two are just, you know, a little bit more uplifting, which is focus on who's trying to help the situation. Even if you don't know who they are, make sure to restore some, some hope. Um, and then the final one is to avoid categorizing and, and sort of demonizing or vilifying entire groups of people, teach them about the gray area between, you know, how different sides of a conflict might be presented versus what the reality is and the truth of the situation. Thank you so very much for, for joining us for this, this special episode. If anyone listening uh, wanted to find more information about you and your practice, where could they find you? Well, easiest place to go is drparkerhouston.com. That's D-R-P-A-R-K-E-R-H-U-S-T-O-N.com. And um, you can find me there, read all about my practice and get in touch with me if you wish. Well, thank you for joining us for this first of a two-part series. We're going to be uh, dropping a, another episode with you in terms of what parents and partners and those discussions look like. So looking forward to that and, and be sure to check that out as we drop that uh, across all of our podcast platforms and social media platforms. You'll be able to see um, that next one that is coming out shortly. And Sean, as always, thank you for you and bringing your perspective and um, making this conversation possible. Well, thank you very much. I uh, 
I really appreciate the time that we uh, that we all all get to spend together. So, absolutely, you're like the third amigo here, Doc. Yeah, it's I'm true. getting there. Yeah, I'm getting we're, there. We're eventually going to have to put like some kind of nameplate on a seat for you, and once we finally <laughs> record together, I got, I got three easy three spots in the speakeasy. Well, we can put your name right on the plaque. We should put them right That's in the middle. That's what I'm saying. Get my own my own glass in the speakeasy. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're quite That's there. Easy. That's easy That's there. Time. Yeah, yeah. Slow it down a little bit. <laughs> That's, that's 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 when the fifth episode comes um, but thank you so much um to you guys for making this possible thank you to you listening whoever however whenever um thank you for just supporting us uh please be sure to uh, stay tuned to our, our social media platforms for the next part of this um real talk series that we'll be dropping this week and until next time have a great day <laughs>